If you like to gamble, I tell you I'm your man. You win some, lose some, it's all the same to me. Hello and welcome to another episode of the official Motorhead podcast, The Motorcast. Thank you for joining me. It's nice to have you back. And if it's your first time, welcome. You have missed a good few episodes. You need to go back and check them all out. And this is another cracker, I would say that, wouldn't I? Um, I am your host for the podcast. My name is Howard H. Smith. You may know me better as lead singer with UK thrash band Acid Rain or by my own heavy metal podcast, Talking Bollocks. You will see that my name is highlighted in the description of this podcast where you're uh, listening to it. If you tap on that, that'll take you through to a link to all the podcasts I've done since 2015. And there's quite a few of them. But here, I am merely your host, your guide through the world of all things Motorhead. And speaking of which, all things Motorhead live at imotorhead.com. That is basically your go-to place for all of your Motorhead information in one place. So remember that in case you haven't been there before. Go for a little trip and have a little look around. And of course, remember, I say this every time, and I apologise, but I'm going to say it again. Remember to subscribe to the podcast. Hit the subscribe button. That means you don't have to go looking for the podcasts. They'll be there every two weeks in your player, regular as clockwork, regular as podcast work, if you like. It's going to be there. That's all I'm saying. It means you have to do nothing. But you're here, and that's the main thing you've found us. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, As always... It is another cracking interview that I have for you this time. Um, It is actually somebody that I know as well. This is Tony Mottram, who is a legendary, legendary rock and metal photographer. I did my first ever professional um, photo session with Tony in 1988 wow doesn't half make me feel old um and um and yeah we've seen each other and bumped into each other over the years ever since then he's amazing he um, you will have had posters on your wall as a kid that were a photo that was taken by tony you will know his work it is very very well known and he was a friend of the band and lemmy and photographer for many many years he's got some great stories and i'm really excited about you guys listening to it so without further ado let's get straight on with the interview this is myself and tony mottram having a chat i contacted you about about motorhead you know when did you have your first contact with the band i'd have to go through my files to find that out i used to know them around and about anyway so that's what I mean. That's really particularly, you know, weird. And the funny thing is, I don't, I don't know if I told you, my missus, my wife now, is act, was actually really good friends of his as well. And you spend time with him and that. Yeah, you, you, Lemmy, before you worked with him or just as a as a yeah, casual yeah. personality? Well, well, he was a major influence on my life because um, uh, I was a bass player I was there the night he got his first Rickenbacker. Um, it was a sun, about sun, Hawkwind Sundown gig, and Brock came on stage and said, uh, "Lem's got a new bass," and the crowd went, "Whoa!" He said, "It's a Rickenbacker." Whoa! And uh, have you seen my 
my Lemmy tribute base, Rickenbacker base, I've built. Oh, really? You built a tribute Rickenbacker? Yeah, it's on a Hondo body, but guess what? It's actually got one of Lem's original pickups. Wow. So he, he, oh, he let you have it? No, it's a fucking fantastic story. When Lem passed away, I wanted to try and get some artifact that, that was of his, right? Because I used to sit around his house and we'd talk about AFX models because it was just like me being a kid. Then I told him that, you know, he was a major influence on my, on my on bass guitar playing and things like that. And then he just dismissed that without a thing. Anyway, um, often we talk about um, military memorabilia. And he was always wanting an, uh, an SS dagger. And uh, I ended up one day with an SA dagger and a Hitler Youth dagger. And I went round and showed him. And he said, yeah, fucking so what, Tone? They're not SS daggers. And I said, well, I can't afford one, can I? These ones are cheaper ones, but they're original stuff. My mother was German, so she uh, lived through the war. She was born at 25. So he asked, we had a conversation about my mother and what happened when she was in Hamburg when it was being all blown up. Then when he got to America, when in fact, when he went to America, I did some stills on a video in London. And he says, ah, oh, Tony, you should move to America. It'd be so fucking good for you and all this. And I said, Lem, it's fucking easy for you. You don't ever own anything, you know, You've got a couple of bass guitars and clothes you stand up and you live in, you know, um, what's it called, Chamberlain Road. And I say, you're always on the road. I've got fucking thousands and hundreds of fucking pictures. I've got cameras and all this. And I, I you know, had a flat at the, I got a mortgage on. I said, Lem, you just lived in a rented, you know, place by your manager. That's why he'd been ripped off. And it wasn't an argument, but he said, do you do? And I think if I'd moved to LA when he did it, um, he might have helped me out. But the thing is, he never worried about money. He had things just organised, and that's why he was all a bit wrong. So when he passed away, I've been trying to track down what happened to his military collection. I'd pay market value, of course. I'd love one of his FS daggers, just because it was one that he owned. Now, I know this is politically unsound, but this was a conversation I had with him many, many, many times about, you know, Militaria. Now, do you remember uh, um, also, did you remember he had a, he used to have a, a motorhead cuff title around his jacket? Yes, yeah. Right. Well, I was, I hooked up with Lucas Fox, the original drummer, a while back, and I was talking to Lucas about that, and Lucas vaguely remembers it was him that got it together. And do you know what the cuff titles were, and what they're based on? No, not at all. Well, <laughs> naughtily, again, it's another SS thing. If you have a cuff title on the left, you, it's an SS cuff title. Cuff titles on the right, these are World War II cuff titles, well, well, on the right were just General Army. So if you were in the Africa Corps, you would have a, um, a cuff title on the right-hand side of your jacket. But on the left, it would be an SS division. So you have the SS... Hitler Jungen, SS Adolf Hitler Division, SS um, Hermann Goering. So to have this motorhead cuff title made up was really, really heavy, really kind of dodgy. Yeah. If you know what it is. And the fact Len put it on the left hand side. So there's all this bullshit, oh, he's a Nazi. And remember in the film, he goes, oh, but I had black girlfriends. Well, you aren't a Nazi, Len. You weren't a Nazi. But guess what? You loved their shit. 
as he said, you know, they had the best uniform. Oh yeah, that 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 yeah that uh, that tracks. Um, so what what about the what about the the Rickenbacker uh, pickup? Oh yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah. Um, so anyway, I wanted to try and get hold of any artifact, particularly the daggers, and I really still am, and I'm I'm getting very close to it, but I'll tell you about that in a minute. Anyway, I spoke to Johnny Allen, who was a bass guitar tech for Lem one, at one point. He he works for Iron Maiden now. Okay, he's. Um, does something for Iron Maiden, and he he was roading for Guns N' Roses when they first came over, and I used to know another one of the bass guitar techs, a bloke called Tony. Um, he used to work with Lem for a good few years. So I spoke to Johnny Allen and said, like, are there any bits and pieces? Is there an old guitar strap, or is there an, a, um, a guitar case or something? you know, broken this or broken that. I would love to have a, an artifact that belonged to Lem. And he said, interestingly, had I heard about the base um, pickup? I said, no, please tell me. What happened was they had a, Motorhead had a tech who was into heroin, and you know how Lem hated that, hated people on it. Yeah. They tried to fire him. Lem said, no, you're not firing him, because if we fire him, He'll just be off banging up smack. If we keep him in the fucking, you know, on the team, at least we can keep an eye on him and I'll make sure I fucking make sure he doesn't wander off so he doesn't score and all that. So if he does, we'll stop him from killing himself at least. You know what I mean? Yeah. We'll be there in case he overdoes. Anyway, the, 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 the tech cheated that because he, his errand was obviously more important than anything. And so Lem was trying to wean him off. Okay, so he got sort of fired, got brought back, and obviously his cravings got more and more and more. And the only way he knew he would seriously fall out or get fired was if he trashed one of Lem's bases. So this tech smashed up one of Lem's bases. And that, obviously, Lem would say, okay, he is fired, do not let him anywhere near because I'll fucking kill him. Lem was furious. Johnny Allen said, well, look, I've got all the bits, I'll, I'm, you know, and he went, I don't want him to see the fucking bits. The story is, don't. I don't want to fucking know about it. You know, yeah. he, he's, he's dead to me. So, story was that Johnny Allen kept them for years and years and years. Do you know, do you know Alan Davey, who was a Hawkwind bass player? Yes. Who is like a let me clone? You know, <laughs> he's been doing Motorhead sort of tribute bands. There's loads of photos of him with Lemmy. He, you know, carried on playing Rick and Backers. And I've never found out what Dave Brock thought of that because obviously Brock had fallen out with Lemmy, but this bloke played exactly like him. You know, he was obviously a fan like me. Now I could audition for Hawkwind, but I didn't. I was a photographer. So there's all these things. Also, my other gutting thing is I was a big status quo fan. I wish I'd auditioned when Alan Lancaster left, but I wouldn't have got the audition because I was too close to Alan Lancaster. And that's why Quo went pop. They weren't a rock band anymore. Francis was trying to go all this poppy-wise. Anyway, back to the Lem bass thing. Um, uh, The Hallgren bass player, Alan Davey, um, got to know all the techs and all this as, as an uber fan. And um, Johnny Allen ultimately sold 
in the pickup. So the pickup was used on some on on Alan Davies Rickenbackers at some point. Now it was really interesting that even though he, you know, wonder what Brock would have thought. Maybe Dave Brock wouldn't even know about this. But he put this bass guitar pickup. So it's a bridge pickup from the Rickenbacker. And and the story is it was the main pickup used on the bomber recordings. Right. It was on the bass there. Alan Davy had got it. Alan Davy had relocated to America. I contacted Alan and said, um, what's happening with that? He said, well, funny enough, I'm thinking about putting it on eBay. I've just moved to America. And I've got, you know, too many things and obviously needed money to, you know, relocate. And yeah. I said, I'll have it. And without even asking what he wanted for it, I said, I want it. And we came to an arrangement and he sold it to me. And so I've got, you know, a letter written from him telling me, you know, telling all about this. Yeah. It's still, it, it's all rusted. It works fucking beautiful. It is really a pretty pickup. But what's so good is it's all got all Glenn's sweat that's rusted it <laughs> and a bit of aladose. So if I had it DNA tested, it'd be really interesting, you know. Yeah. And so I've made it quite clear on quite a few sites that I've got this because this, you know, is like, the nearest to only one of Lem's bases. And did you know that his Lem's base was called Rick and Bastards, yeah? <laughs> I didn't know that, no. Oh, well, I've even had the... Um, I've managed to make myself, instead of Rick and Back, it says Rick and Bastards. Brass plate has got all pitting on it. So, so this is one of the things I want to actually do and put the story about for fans. Because ultimately, I will let this go at one stage. Do you know yeah. what I mean? We're in contact with a girl called Jilly. Jilly Bates, I think her name was. She was one of his long-term girlfriends, British girlfriends. You want to see the fucking pictures, the snapshots she's got of him and them. She used to know, and when I got to meet her recently, when we went out with actually Lucas Fox, she was saying, oh, I am to you, Tone. You were such a mild-mannered young lad. And I, of course I was. I was 20-odd, 30. Yeah. Younger than 30 when I saw it. But obviously, he was my god. So of course I wouldn't have been loud and whatever, because I respected the bloke. And, you know, and then she said, oh, I just remember you being a right little fucking softy. And I said, of course. You know, you, was, you were scary, Jilly. You were then, <laughs> you know, main squeeze. You mentioned earlier your um, your motorhead shrine. What does that consist of? Oh, I've got um, a hat. It's really weird, you know, because I collect militaria. Remember his hat with the crossed swords on it? Yeah. Well, I've I'd had and I don't know where I got them. I know I picked them up in America. A set a set of cross swords, cavalry swords, and it says USS, and it's a really old thing, really really old thing, and it. It stands for United States Scouts. Well, I had bought myself a little sort of smallish, topish type hat. And I put those on there years ago around the time. I just happened to be. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do with these cross sabers? And then there's this picture of Lem. I thought, oh, yeah, there's that. So I've got a, 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 my kind of copy of that. I've got a lovely picture of Lem as a, as a Jesus Christ figure. Also, I once upon a time went to Jack Daniels Distillery. Although I'd gone old Jack Daniels, I prefer wild turkey. 
But I've got some Jack Daniels things with some of the Lemmy things. I've got a couple um, road crew bottle which I've kept out. Some Motorhead, um, uh, what they're called, beer mats in the corner. So I've got all that. So every day there's that. And my Rick and, my Rick and Bastard is laying next to that. <laughs> but the, oh, nice, nice. So as you know, for because obviously being a fan and that, and it's my work. So that's what's really interesting about all my work, Howard is that um, I did quite a bit of it, kind of very much for them, as well as doing it for fans who, you know, um, would understand it. I wasn't doing it just as a picture. Yes. I was going to say, did you um, did you kind of capture them live at all as well? Because I know, you know, yeah. you, you did a load of yeah. studio work, but did you... Um... Yes, I did do live stuff, but um, it was... It was more important to me to actually be in contact in studio and, you know, off stage where it's a one-to-one thing. You know what I mean? Yes. That was even more important because anyone would take live photos, anyone did. Yes, I did. But, you know, the fact is that I could get to the stage where I would go around his house or he'd come to me at his studio. You know, it, it just was like, why the fuck would he? You know, anybody. But, yes, he did actually enjoy working with me <laughs> but it, is that, and that but that's an interesting one did you find did you find it difficult to separate sort of work and uh, and friendship no absolutely well there was work friendship and fandom don't forget there's yeah. more than just work and friendship there was fandom he was my god you know <laughs> it was him and alan lancaster and that was the first thing i did learn when i did my photography you've got to treat them as human beings. You go in there and go, oh, uh, can I have your autograph? You know, they're <laughs> professionals. You know, get, they do their job. I don't want to fucking talk about what I use on guitar string. I don't fucking care. The roadie sorts it out. You know, Lem was more interested in drinking, fucking, and doing speed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how he became so famous. Even it, I wanted the scene to say to him, <laughs> you know, what's it like being you? You know, and it's like, can you actually divorce yourself from this character, Lem? And I'm sure we did have sort of weird conversations like that because I saw Lemmy's that no, I think nobody else saw. It was a Lemmy, me and him talking because he was asking me things. And I was like, hey, we're talking about my mum in World War Two, And he's got a fucking bomber on his ceiling. And I said, oh, why haven't you got Lancaster? Well, uh, they're, they're ugly. Yeah, I said, I know. But if you had Lancaster, you know, we could smash that up. The other bastards who bombed my fucking mum. So well and good having fucking your know, Heinkel one 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 who fucking bombed me dad in the East End of London. Ha ha ha. So you could have ever this sort of weird argument, say, you know, why is it Yes, of course they are the best looking kit, the Germans and plus that they planned the war, you know, us England English had to make do with what was left after World War One before we could try and catch up fighting. So <laughs> it was it was interesting and when I talk to you now, it's more interesting because I can actually think about it. But when I remember I started out as a photography um, assistant in advertising studios. And I got to meet Jill Fermanovsky and I assisted her a couple of times. And I had taught her how to use this work in the studio. Yeah. And uh, we did the first shoot she did, or kind of, one of the shoots she did in the studio was a big what do you call it, um, fashion shoot for Smash Hits. And Robert Smith was there, Becky Bondage was there, um, the bloke from Japan, I think, was from there. 
and Marianne, uh, sorry, Marianne Faithful was there. And, you know, as the studio assistant, you know, you make teas and coffees. I'm running down the shops. Does anyone need anything? And like a complete prat, I stuck my head in the, in the dressing room. There's, you know, Marianne Faithful, Becky Bondage, Robert Smith and Cure. And I said, oh, Marianne, do you want to, does anybody want any Coke and a Mars bar? <laughs> and you're thinking, should I have said that? And he was like, everybody else kind of went a bit quiet. I was like, Marianne, guess what, Howard? Marianne Faithful said, don't get me a Mars bar tone. Anyway, make sure it's a man size. Again, I, that's one of those abiding memories I have, thinking, right, these people, some people want to be treated like stars. So, uh, pop stars were the worst. But, you know, Lem, if you said to them, oh, hang on for Sam, stand there, and you just go move your jacket, it'd push it straight back. And say, Lem, you look like it, the colour's turned up. And then he'd turn it up even more and do a stupid face, like you lot would have done. <laughs> you, you know, but that's what it's like. You know, it, even when you try and say that, I, I think it would be better. He was content. But then there'd be times when he'd look back and say, yeah, that one's good. The funniest one of the, of the shoot I did with them, when it was the first shoot they did with Animal Taylor and, oh, what was his names? Um, Words and Lem, right? Right. It was the first show, and it was I think Doug Smith was still managing them at the time. And I did the photos, and I shot one roll of black and white, and then said, I'm off. Oh, okay. So I basically had one roll to choose from. And of course, you know, there are lots of them. And he kept saying, why? I said, I'll just, it's a promo shot. You've all got to look good at the same time. And you know what animals like, fucking around. Lem would be happy with those photos, but I'm trying to give Doug Smith the option of silly ones cool one, you know, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, and I knew what Len was like, so I printed the contact sheets the correct way round and the wrong way round, okay? So when Lem looked at the wrong way round, he would see himself as he looks in the mirror. So sometimes he'd part his hair a bit, you know, from the side. Yeah. And, you know, he'd flip it and it'd go in different ways. Well, I think his parting was on his slightly on his left-hand side, so when he looked in the mirror, um, it'd be the other way round. So if he held a picture next to it. So I took around and he said, oh, that shit, that shit, 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 shit. And I said, he said, which ones do you like? And I said, well, I think that one's a good one of the bad. That one and that one. Oh, I hate that. And, and Taylor didn't like this. And um, Worsland, uh, Taylor, Worsland, sorry, what's his name? Phil yeah. Campbell. Worsland Campbell. They didn't know, you know, they, they would just join in the band, so they wouldn't be too heavy. And then I said, OK, well, what about the other sheet, Lem? And he says, mm, yeah, that one I like. I said, what number is it? He said, 91. I said, there's only 36 pictures on the on the roll of film, Lem. Which one is it? He said, it's 91. I said, oh, show me. I said, oh, you mean number 19? <laughs> mean the numbers are the wrong way around. Yeah, yeah. And I said, well, which one was the, the one on the other sheet that I liked? that everybody agreed was really good. Ooh, 90. Them, it's the same fucking thing, and I'm, I'm not cheating you, <laughs> but I'm just showing you the mirror version that you would see. But Gary Moore was like that. He, When I went to show him some pictures and he had to check them, he was really good. He had uh, colour transparencies, and he looked at them, and he just turned them over straight away to know he was choosing the pictures of the image he saw of himself, not the printed image. Yeah. Yeah, because I had this conversation with them and said, "Look, don't forget, 
I see the other way round here. And I'm not going to put you a shit picture up, mate. You know, <laughs> you'd be my hero, you know. The opportunity to even meet you has been so immense. I'm only trying to find you the best picture. So out of general consensus, I said it's either 19, 24, 23, but 19 out of the 36 is my favourite. And Phil and Wurzel agreed. And Taylor kind of went, yeah, I see what you mean. And I said, but I mean, as a band, not what you look like. What do you think is the best one of Lem as well? Yeah, you're right, Tone. It is 19. They said, yes, because I've spent most of my life looking at pictures of you, Lem, pinning them up on my wall. <laughs> and so that, 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 that was a professional relationship. It's, it, it's not an argument, but it's a quite a heavy discussion. And so I didn't really think I was being cool or big by fucking teaching him a bit about photography. And that's the sort of thing with Lem, you know. He'd say, yeah, and so what? You know, I'm not interested whether you play bass tone or whatever. But then he would file that in his memory banks. And one day, you know, he's a sort of thing, chew that up tone. What do you want me to do? You've got tech. You said you play bass. No, that didn't happen. But that's the sort of thing he was like. Yeah. Did you know him quite well? Um, no, not at all. And believe it or not, we um, we never actually met. Um, oh, which is okay. which has been, and it's weird because I feel like I've uh, I feel like I've sort of got to know him through speaking to so many people on this podcast who knew him really well, right? And yeah. you know, people like yourself. I mean, did you stay in touch and still go down to the gigs? Well, it's always been basically a full time occupation, and I've always been busy, so right, I would be there for a reason. Whether I've been invited, um, I would have if they, you know, played. You know, um, I would locally, I would have either run up said, "Can I get a pass?" Which would have ever been a problem. Yeah. But if I couldn't get a pass, I would have most likely paid for, you know, a a ticket. Yeah. But like I say, my missus knew him very well, and in fact, we've got a couple of snapshots of my wife with Lamb around the flat. Some snapshots on that in our kitchen wall. Um, yeah. I've got a picture here in front of me. Um, with Lucas Fox, it's got Lemorial. Have you did, have you spoken to Lucas Fox at all? Uh, no. Okay, you know who Lucas was. Don't yeah, you? well, I think I, I think we, I think he's on he's on the list. He's on the list of people. Right. To well, to. I'm I'm really good friends with him now. Well, the story is that obviously uh, Lucas was the um, Lem's pal who, when he got sacked from Hawkwind, when he came back to London, they were you know, speed freaks together or whatever. And Lem came back and was like, what the fuck am I meant to do? You know, and Lucas was the one who said, well, carry on, you know. And they put the band together. So, you know what I mean? For me to have met Lucas and to went out for a Chinese meal with him and his daughter and to our thing. So again, he's this other hero, which I didn't even really know I knew of whatever. When was the last time that you um, uh, that you saw them? God knows, I can't remember. I really can't remember. I really can't. Um, no, because in a way, the last time I saw him was most probably not as important as the other time. The last time I saw him was most probably all right, or most probably we had a drink. Yeah. So it, things to me are these sorts of things where I'm involved in it and. You know, in a weird way, a very weird, but like you said, difference between friendship, work, and 
every time I met him, he was just like, you know, a hero. It was, he was just so special. Yes. Um, well, now, have you ever? Have I've you got ever that. I've got. I must admit, everybody I've spoken to um, has has said that that the, the, yeah. he he quite clearly simply had, he had an aura, not and not just he he wasn't just charismatic. He had he had an aura about him that that, oh, that yeah. no one else did. Yeah, exactly. Well, he he was lemmy, you know, and he was ultimately that was it. But you know, we've all done things that we're not proud of. And we don't necessarily go and advertise, but to be honest, I've got the stage now. It's too fucking late, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm, 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 I hope well, I've given you plenty of food for thought. Oh, look, um, Tony, I can't thank you enough for your time. I really do appreciate Howard, it. I'm, I really appreciate everything what you've done and what you are doing, which is so, so really good. No worries, mate. Well, look, it's been awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate Any- it. Howard, any time I can do anything to help you, uh, any of the projects, I'm always brilliant. There. Thank you so much, Tony. You take care. And uh, happy New Year, and make you sure too. you stay uh, safe and well, Howard. Yeah, you too. I'll speak to you soon, mate. Take care, darling. Bye. Take care. Bye bye. I've said it before. I'll no doubt say it again many times. I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I did doing it. It was great to catch up with my own mate, Tony. Um, he, he's a lovely guy, and like I said, been everywhere and photographed everybody. Um, so if you haven't heard all of the other episodes, go and listen to them. And if you have, well, there's going to be another one in two weeks. Whenever you're listening to this, there probably will be. Um, and as always, remember to subscribe wherever you listen to, and you will get your podcasts. Please do share, tell everyone about the Motorcast. Um, Really enjoying it here, really enjoying your feedback, really enjoying hearing from you all. Um, Feel free to get in touch and let's keep building this and building it and building it. Because the, the, the legend that is Motorhead and the legend that is Lemmy, there are still so many more stories and facts and tales and bits and pieces to be discovered and to tell you and you know I don't want to I, I don't want to tell you too much but I'm a little bit further down the line in the interviews and you have got some great ones coming so remember subscribe and tell everyone that is your job until we meet again speak to you soon take care guys I don't say agreed. The only gun I need is the ace of spades. The ace of spades.